the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You think you're righteous. You're very religious. That's good. But what has that got to do with your salvation and the gospel? Join us and find out next here on Truth For Today. The book of Romans is very clear, very explicit. All have sinned, come short of the glory of God. So what does that all encompass? And how is it that all have sinned? Well, today, as we continue our survey of Romans, we come to see that God is angry with the religious and self-righteous. That's a broad brush to be painting with. With the details from Valley Bible Church in Hercules, as we continue our survey of Romans, here's Pastor Phil Howard. Something has to work on your heart. It's by the Spirit, not by the written code. And such a man's praise, this is interesting, Judah, he's using the name. Such a man's praise is not from men, but from God. You really want to be Jewish? Your praise must come from God. Now, I want to just briefly touch the common arguments. There's four common arguments Paul met at the synagogue all the time. And chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, is in, in uh, debating. It's called a diatribe. And what he does, he invents hecklers in the audience. And he's going to tell you what the hecklers say to him when he's out preaching and what they say about him. And he must have heard this many times in the synagogue and in the Jewish uh, hostilities he met with. And so he raises four arguments used against him all the time. But you argue, and here's the argument, what advantage then is there in being a Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision? We hear you. So you're saying there's no advantage to being Jewish. There's no advantage to circumcision. Is that what you're saying? Now let's hear what his answer. Much in every way. First of all, You've been entrusted with the words of God. Notice he didn't say anything about circumcision. He said, oh, your great advantage in being Jewish is this book. That book. Let's see, I'm, I'm over here in the... Deborah Anderson got me once. She said, boy, he turned to the left side of the Bible. I love that, Deborah. You know, when I, he showed me the le- right, right up to there. Then the New Testament, they had that. But did you know when Christ wanted to defend who he was, when he walked with the two men on the Emmaus Road, he said he took Moses and the prophets, and he took everything that spoke of him, and he showed them that he was Messiah from the Psalms, from Moses, from Jeremiah, from Isaac. Did you know there's 39 books in here that says Jesus is Messiah? And God gave, he said, Israel, your greatest advantage is I gave you the word of God. Let me say this to you. Hear me today. The greatest advantage God has given the church 
He's given us the Word of God, whether we read it, whether we believe it, whether we obey it or not. The greatest thing God has given, He's given His Word. That's our greatest treasure, not our membership, not our pastors, that we would be entrusted with the Word of God. That's the greatest thing God could ever give you other than Christ, his very words. And by the way, what the scriptures say, God says. And what God says, the scriptures say. Never forget that. This is not just a book. This is not gone in the wind. This is not, you know, the, uh, I don't have to read the top ten. Matter of fact, some of you are reading too many other books. You ought to be real familiar with this. You have been given this great advantage of the law, of the words of God. Second objection, what if some did not have faith? Listen to the heckler. Would their lack of faith nullify God's faithfulness? What if we haven't been faithful? It doesn't make any difference, does it? We haven't caught God off guard, so it's okay if we don't believe. Uh, Not at all. Let God be true and every man a liar. As it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. Third heckler, but if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? I'm using a human argument. They're saying, hey, if our unfaithfulness is showing off that God's more faithful, hey, don't be against us. That's not bad. He said, oh, no, no, no. Your unfaithfulness and non-responsiveness will bring his judgment just like it's coming upon the whole world. He must judge you for not responding, even though you've had these advantages, even as he must judge the entire world. For he's a righteous judge, and he can't be bought into this, well, I'm Jewish. You can't judge me because you made promises to Abraham. God already knew many of Abraham's seed would not believe. And he would address it in chapter 9. Finally, Paul's being accused, hey, you know what? The more you sin, the more God sows off his grace. So I say, Let's party all we want. Let's sin all we want. It doesn't matter how you live anyway, because God just gets to show us more grace. Antinomianism is what it is. Live as you please. You're a Christian. You've got fire insurance. You've got protection from eternal wrath. Since you're not going to hell, live like hell in the meantime. That's the idea. I can live any way I want. Because I've already been promised I won't go to hell. Paul says, we don't teach that. That's what we're falsely accused of. In chapter 6, he'll say, shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? God forbid. My theology will not tell you it's okay to sin. Let me uh, move from... uh, the Jewish problem. And what if I read this this way? Now, if you call yourself a Christian and you rely on all your Bible knowledge and you brag that you've got a relationship with God and you say you know God's will and you're superior because you've got all this Bible, 
and, you know, you tell other people how to live, you're on the know. I want to ask you, do you commit adultery? Do, do you steal? How do you live? Oh, we know you belong to valley, you belong to first, and you belong to last, and you belong to middle. Uh, and you got all the right labels. I am a Christian. I, oh, I grew up in this group. I grew up in this label. Oh, I was, oh, a Catholic. I've been baptized. Oh, man. Yeah, we, we've already had, yeah, I'm a baptized Catholic. You know I'm going to heaven. Uh, don't ask me how I live or when's the last time I went, but I'm covered. How do you cover it? Well, I was baptized. Or you say, I'm a member of a church. Why, isn't that wonderful? Today, it's easier to join the church than the why. Just pay your dues, and some of you aren't even paying your dues. That means nothing. Just shake a hand and you're in. You don't have to show up. You don't have to serve. You don't have to give. But I am a member. I've got... Woo! When he comes, he's going to look down on our rolls. I can't, uh, man, all those people are covered. I'm afraid, I'm afraid some of you aren't. You said you were saved. We hope you are. I ask, is God being blasphemed through the testimony of some so-called Christians? They say they know God. They say Jesus is wonderful. And they cuss as good as anybody else. They read as many playboys as anybody else. They're as lazy as anybody on the job. They're stealing from their employer. Their uh, uh, divorce abounds in the church. We found naming Christ doesn't keep so-called Christians from getting a divorce. Immorality is as much in our youth group as it is in the culture by all the stuff I read, Barna and just cross, I'm not... Particular, I don't know anything about this, this youth group right now, but I just cross the board. So I don't come back. Who is it? Who, I, don't, I don't know. I don't want to know. Tell the youth pastors. But across the nation, morals are not affected. But man, we're loud on profession. A Christian nation. What a joke. Who's Christian? Who are you voting for? I get a migraine thinking of the choices. This is not a choice year. Who? Our next Christian president. Sometimes I wish they would just say they're a Buddhist. Then I could justify my anger more. But I hate it when they say I'm a born-again Christian. And I'm for abortion. Because every woman has a right to kill the baby whenever she wants you know, it just doesn't make sense. Is God blasphemed by us? And then I think when we come to circumcision, today for us it's water baptism. I'm amazed it has some people, you're not even saved, especially there are groups that say you're not saved unless you're water baptized, or that it's everything. And of course you could be baptized for your loved ones in certain uh, religions. All the external marks mean nothing. If God is not doing an inward work in your heart, claim all the right churches. Some of you, you say, oh, I follow MacArthur. Well, you better get a little bit higher. He won't get you to heaven. He'll tell you the truth, but you better be resting on somebody bigger than MacArthur. And John, 
I thank God for your ministry. So don't anyone quote me. You better follow someone besides preachers. Has God done a work in your heart? Have you been circumcised in the heart where God cut out the uncleanness and the waywardness? And and he did something in you that was invisible, that nobody could see. It was like wind. He told Nick, it'd be like wind. It just, all of a sudden it's there and it sweeps over you. And, And all of a sudden, before you know it, your eyes are open and you begin to love things you never loved. And you've got a thirst for God. And he becomes everything. I ask myself, why did Israel, with all of her advantages, miss God when he showed up? I I just, let me read these in closing. And liken them to us. I don't like to pick on Israel. I'm not, I I weep over Israel. Because they stumbled. It, It enriched the Gentiles because God turned to us. But God is not done with Israel. I'm hoping to show you epicenter. I was going to do it tonight. We're not meeting tonight because we're going the next two Sunday nights. We're going to be having concerts, and we want you to help bring your family and friends. But uh, perhaps our first Sunday night that we meet in January, John Rosenberg, a converted Jew, uh, has made this document that tells about the future of Israel and Russia's plan to invade Israel. Russia is planning to invade Israel. And they're going to do it with the help of Iran. So Israel is in for darker days than even the Holocaust, except for God's protection. Why did Israel ever move away from her advantages? Two, let me just give this. I think she replaced her faith with external religion. She moved from Abraham's faith in God as a moon worshiper down there in Ur of Chaldee who had no temple, who had no rabbi, who had no priesthood, but God spoke to him, leave all your kindred and go to a land I show you. And in faith, he believed God could make him the father of of nations through a barren wife. And when he was severely tested in Genesis 22, he showed the world and the nations, I love this monotheistic, one God only more than my firstborn promised child. I'll sacrifice a son in a minute to please the God that I can't go to temple. There's no synagogue. There's no religion. Everything around me is Canaanite religion. Everything around me is Gentile pagans that hate God, don't know God, kill their children. But I have come to see the one and only God. And you, Isaac, you will die in a minute if God wants you. For I've come to know this God and love him from the inner man. Have you come to know this God? Or have you replaced God with a bunch of external religious little rabbit foots and you show up for a few services you take a communion you've been baptized and you take a membership class but in your heart nothing's ever been changed Israel went for externals and gave up the internal relationship Uh, Israel did something that uh, our young people fight with it all the time they wanted to be like the pagans around them, 
They found God too exclusive and he made you too weird. He wanted them to be holy and different. I talked to my, uh, have a grandson in Kauai and his father told me, we're talking about teenage rebellion. He said, you know what we have found out in the church over here? And he grew up, believe me, in youth culture. He knows all about it. He said, we find out the church kids are the ones that go the wildest in the teen years. Hey, they're raised by deacons, maybe. They've been in church all their life. And about 13, 14, 15, they want to do everything that the fast crowd's doing. They want to do everything that's out there. Sex looks good. Pot looks good. Uh, you know, that whole culture. So they, they go. He said, the greatest kids in our youth group that we have the least problems with are the kids that came out of broken homes, broken lives. Their veins are healing from the needle. Uh, They're getting out of bed with 15 chicks, but they were going to hell and somebody reached them. And now they've come and they said, I've tasted of all of that and it never could give me peace. Jesus is the only thing that satisfies. But just see over here, a church kid, Say, boy, you know what? It must be a privilege to be a preacher's kid. Oh, no, they're more likely to go wild than uh, uh, somebody else's kid. Just the grace of God that he saves any of them. Deacon's kids. Kids grow up around church. Then all of a sudden, then they learn all the language. They know the songs. They know what time we get out. They know where to sit. They know all the church culture. They're just waiting to spring out there and do their sins, and they will. Unless... An inner work of the Spirit goes on. And some of you parents, you need to start out real early telling your kid he's a sinner and quit telling them that they ought to get baptized. Forget baptism. Convince them they're a sinner in need of Christ and that attending this church won't save them. It's an advantage, but it's no immunity from judgment unless a work goes on in the heart. Uh, Israel wanted to trust visible resources instead of invisible. They wanted armies and kings that looked like the Gentiles. They went for syncretism instead of exclusivism. They wanted to blend. Can't we all just blend in together, have a little bit of this and a little bit of that religion and a little bit of that? And, and I think of Gideon, one of the biggest flops in the Old Testament. By the time God delivers the, the army in Judges 8, he sets up his own little shrine to himself, hires a man to be his priest, because I'm going to worship like these pagans I just defeated. Insanity. I think of old uh, Hezekiah and Jehoshaphat when the Assyrian army surrounded them. They made fun, and they said, O king, don't try the religious stuff with us, because we've defeated every nation has relied on their God, and don't dare let Isaiah come up here and tell you your God's any better than the rest. That night, God killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers, and the captain of the battle went back to his home country where his sons killed him at the place of worship. God says, get this message. The God of Israel has no God to mess with. He's not like the gods of the Gentiles. He's the true and living God. He's powerful. And he can handle an Assyrian king 
that makes fun of him. Let me tell you right now. Hear me. You've got all the resources you'll ever need to live like God wants you to in this world. You don't need any visible alliances. You don't need a rich man to support you. You don't need this relationship. You need God and his blessing. And when those resources are being pumped into your life, you'll have all the strength and all the protection you'll ever need for the rest of your life. Well, I would just close by saying, uh, uh, don't give up your advantages you go to a Bible teaching church and the Bible has fallen in the streets and we're always being bombarded. Have, are we doing the latest? And we don't want to be an old folks home. We, you know, if it'll help my ministry to preach in Levi's, I'd love to wear Levi's. I'll be glad to do that. What do you need? A Levi dressed pastor or the word of God? Do you love the Word of God? I assume you do. Somebody pays the rent here, and it's you. And I ask this. What has... Are there any advantages to being Jewish? Are there any advantages to being Christian? Above everything, yes, God has spoken to us. And he said in 1 Corinthians 2, as I read it this morning, God has made us... On the inside of divine secrets. He said, I speak secret wisdom to those that are my own. And you and I have been put in on the secret wisdom of God. We know Christ. And I just ask, let us not sleep on our advantages. Let us pray for the salvation of Israel. I met such a fine Jewish man this last week named Jeff. I told Jeff I was going to pray God would let him come to know the God of Abraham. Invited him to come out to our Christmas play. Do any of you have any Jewish friends that you pray for? Do any of you have any Jewish friends? Pray God will give you Jewish friends. Uh, For Jesus are wanting us to uh, host a Passover dinner for them in April. We're trying to work out the details with Rob Wertheim. Love, love, love Jewish people and tell them circumcision, rabbis, and temple is no protection from future wrath. But you would like to, as a poor, beggarly Gentile who's come to know the Messiah, could I introduce you to your Messiah and say he loves you He stands all day with his arms stretched out. Come, O Israel. He wept over Jerusalem. I'm weeping over the terrible religious state you fell into. Come, and I'll treat you like a mother hen. Let us love that people. Because someday God is going to set the Gentiles aside. And he's going to resume and complete his work with Israel as a nation. And Armageddon and Gog and Magog, and all hell will break loose according to Revelation 12, Revelation 16, Revelation 19. But Messiah will ride into that battle and deliver them, and they will look up and begin to wail as they see him 
And when they see him, they'll say, let us ask you this. Where, where did you get the wounds in your hand? He said, I got them in the house of my friends, and I've come back to use them to deliver you from your enemies. Let us pray for the salvation of all men, but let us pray that we may be kind to our Jewish neighbors. They're blinded in a great way, but God can rent the veil. God can rent the veil. He has a remnant he's been saving according to the election of grace, just like he saved you and I. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Questions, comments about the program, as always, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us by visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by giving us a call, 855-833-9864. If you've got a question for Pastor Phil, you can use your smartphone. The Voice Memo app on that smartphone is a great way to reach out to us with your questions, praise reports, and comments. Simply record your question, who you are, where you're calling from, and then email it to us, tftquestions at valleybible.org. Again, that's tftquestions at valleybible.org. And again, as always, you'll find more information about Truth For Today at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. Now, Truth For Today is a listener-supported ministry. We have friends and family members who have come alongside to financially support the ministry to ensure that it continues on this radio station. Would you be a part of that family, that friendship? We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us again. You can securely donate at truthfortodayradio.org or by calling 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Blessed be your name.